0: We're in the middle of a national identity crisis. Faith, patriotism, and hard work have disappeared, only to be replaced by new secular religions like COVIDism, climatism, and gender ideology. We hunger to be part of something bigger than ourselves, yet we cannot even answer the question of what it means to be an American. Today, the woke left preys on that vacuum. They tell you that your race, your gender, and your sexual orientation govern who you are, what you can achieve and what you're allowed to think. This is psychological slavery and that has created a new culture of fear in our country that has completely replaced our culture of free speech in America. And that is why today I am announcing my run for president of the United States. This isn't just a political campaign, this is a cultural movement to create a new American dream for the next generation. To me, the American dream means you believe in merit. That you get ahead in this country not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. It means you believe the people who we elect to run the government are the ones who actually run the government not a federal bureaucracy that grows like a national cancer that is now metastasizing to the private sector. It means that the best ideas win instead of getting censored. It means you don't have to choose between speaking your mind freely and putting food on the dinner table. It means you believe these ideals form the backbone of the greatest nation on earth that the rest of the world still looks up to as its example, not the Soviet Union in the last century and not communist China in this one either. That is the new American dream. Ask yourself if you believe in these ideals. I think most of you do. I think most of you believe your neighbors do too, though you can't be sure because you don't feel free to talk about it anymore. You might disagree with each other about corporate tax rates or about whether ivermectin treats COVID, but those are details. We still agree on our nation's most fundamental principles. At least most of us do. Yet the goal of the ruling party in this country is to convince us that we are divided. Why? so they can accumulate more power for themselves. Well, you know what? I have a dream that we can be one people again. We have obsessed so much over our diversity and our differences that we forgot all the ways we're really just the same as Americans, bound together by a common set of ideals that brought together a divided, diverse, headstrong group of people 250 years ago. And I believe deep in my bones that those ideals still exist, and I am running for president to revive them. E pluribus unum, from many, one. That is the dream that won the American Revolution. That is the dream that reunited us after the Civil War. That is the dream that won us two world wars and the Cold War. That is the dream that still gives hope to the free world today. And if we can revive that dream, over fractious group identity then nobody in the world. Not a nation, not a corporation, not a virus is going to defeat us. That is what American exceptionalism is all about. And that is what we will need to revive to save this great nation.
1: Pretty inspiring stuff. I, I stand by what I said in the first hour. Those two guys rfk jr and vivek ramaswamy on the same ticket as potus and veep respectively i think it's a perfect ticket that's just me so anyway i think if we had those guys in four years if everybody survived uh the cia and the the cia would probably be uh, splintered into a thousand pieces and scattered to the winds, and the FBI would probably be replaced by something. Anyway, one can dream. So, uh, Patrick, we still have you, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, can I say uh, one more thing to wrap it all sure. up here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if you all have heard of Ollie Gemigard. He's uh, real yep. famous as being a, a false flag investigator. Yep. Yep. And he's capable, he claims, to be able to predict the next false flag. And uh, as, uh, well, as you look at it, it's it That's not really difficult,
1: simple. is it? I mean, there's another one coming always right around the corner. I mean, exactly what it is, that maybe. I'm being a little facetious. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 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 it is basically as simple once you understand the code. <laughs> it's like uh, building uh, building seven flight 77 floor the uh london 77 bombing and uh, it just goes on and on you know it's like uh, kennedy was killed on a 33rd degree of parallel um and uh, they had a purim celebration going on live which is a jewish uh killing of the uh of the, uh, the of the greeks um uh, yeah the uh, the greeks and uh and uh, you know, and, and, uh uh, it's like the Illuminati. See, uh, Amshel, Amshel Rothschild, you know, you know he he's, he's the head of the Council of Five of the of the Masons, and his agent Adam Weishaupt created the Illuminati, which means uh, or the Lucifer. Uh, and you know, it's not it's not difficult. No, it's not. Um, but uh, you know, some people just you know, they if, they, if it doesn't fit their belief system, they they reject it. Um, that's,
1: that's ironic not, uh, because yeah. it the, the the interests that in which the the Bavarian Illuminati are represented did not begin there, you know, in on May Day, seventeen seventy six, for example. The those that impulse predates uh right. Bauer, yeah. Mayor Amschel Bauer and Vice. So. yeah
2: did yeah. Uh, ex uh uh, uh kicked out the Illuminati at one point uh so did you know uh, uh Italy, so did germany uh and uh you know in other countries and, they, and I guess it, it, it's a constant battle they' are incredibly powerful nobody realizes them. you know the mussolini- uh you know he kicked them out and they turned around and uh, and they built back better you know they're even more powerful everybody wants to be it everybody that is somebody wants to be part of the uh, Mason uh Illuminati you know just for the strength you know and everything you know, you, you know you, you, uh Eustace Mullins used to wear uh, a masonic ring in the court in fashion by the you know, the uh, judge you know trying to make him sell himself out to be a you know a mason uh and this well, wasn't uncommon wasn't either.
1: he wasn't he my understanding that was that Eustace Mullins was i don't know
2: what what was it about uh,
1: Eustace Mullins? I I said my understanding that was that Eustace Mullins was a Freemason, actually.
2: No, he wasn't.
1: He, okay, he, he was, wow. he,
2: that was at the front. That was at the that was the so, uh, okay. he, he admitted that. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he played in those courts, but he's don't go in there if you if you don't if you don't look at it as a game. Well, it's not a game if you're the guy on the receiving end. You know, you, you're up there with everything the you own is, uh, is up on the table. Uh, all right. You know, I don't understand why he said that, but he did. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's
1: a curious thing, to be sure.
2: Yeah, and, but he's so smart. You know, he very he, he really rarely makes a mistake. Usually, it's just like maybe a slip of a first name or something like that. And I uh, think Chris Switzer, you know, he you know he doesn't go along with Eustace ideology of ideology uh, of that you know, that the uh, uh, you know, that the, the Canaanites, you know, and he and uh, uh and uh, he go he goes back to uh, the uh uh Esau, you know, the Edomites, you know, and yeah, I can see that too, but also uses Mill's got a damn good case that who is it that to fill the void whenever the, uh, the you know the uh, Israelites were enslaved you know, in captivity. It was the neighbors. The Canaanites, the Hittites, and, and all those—you know—they—they they come in and fill the void, and so you know. But that's a—you know—that's something that really needs to be, you know, uh, reconciled there because uh, we are in desperate need of of uh, remembering our roots. It's like Cicero said, you know, "He who does not know his history is childish." You know, and uh, uh, you know—that's that's, they erase our history. He who he who. Uh, uh, he who controls the present controls the past. He controls the past, controls the future. The past is important, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, the Jews know their history real good. You know, the uh, the the, uh, the, the Muslims they know their history real good. We're the ones that don't know. You know, where in the hell we actually come from? We come from the Caucasus Islands. That's about all we know.
1: Well, uh, as Americans, you know that's it's a it's a more diverse story than that but that's i think uh an abridged
2: yeah well you got to go back in time you know you know it's uh yes yeah, as, as the time went on you know the uh we we kind of diversified like the gauls came in here and uh, they they came from the Scipians. and this and going back in front of Scipians were yeah you, know, you know the uh um uh the uh the israelites we could track that back through uh to uh Writings is on the side mountain. And, yeah, uh, we're, you know, we're getting and, uh,
1: a field, I think. This is probably not the best day to do that. This is kind of a diversion from kind of where we were headed in the first hour or so. so, but I
2: think it's important. Okay. You know, uh, but, you know, uh, I'm not uh, saying history is not no important
1: by history. any means. I'm just saying it's maybe not the topic for the day. That's all.
2: <laughs> I, okay. You know, I, asked, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on your, your show, your good graces, uh, but uh, you know, I think, um, you know, eventually, I have like, I confronted David Duke about that, you know, I, you know, and uh, he couldn't really depend it. He didn't, uh, and uh, you know, he just, he's kind of a flaky man. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, believe in the Illuminati. You know, he doesn't Again, believe. Again, not in, you germane
1: know. to today's broadcast. So,
2: if you say so, it's your show. Okay, thank you for taking my call.
1: Appreciate it, Patrick. I I genuinely do. And uh, so a couple of things, headline stuff. History is definitely important, critically important. But uh, we are sort of the trajectory of today's broadcast is is, uh, different. So we will get back on track. There are a few headlines, a few things that, you know, it's probably worthwhile to touch on just some interesting things that are happening. Um, one of those is the, uh, the clip from reason TV featuring Robbie. So from the Hills rising and, uh, you know, this is interesting. This little YouTube short. Can we play that please?
3: Here are three people whose record on COVID-19 shouldn't be forgotten. Anthony Fauci tried to pretend that lockdowns were not his fault. But let's be clear, Fauci used his position as the top government health advisor in the country to advocate for prolonged closures. He was saying people will die if you don't shut everything down. Teachers union leader Randy Weingarten was ideally placed to advocate for kids, and what they needed was to go back to school. Instead, she vigorously opposed President Trump's plan to reopen schools, calling it reckless, callous, and cruel. And if she had her way, kids would probably still be forced to wear masks. When Joe Biden was running for president, he said the COVID vaccine shouldn't be mandatory. A year later, once he was in the White House, he flip-flopped and ordered a vaccine mandate for 80 million workers to stop the spread. Then Biden declared, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. But although vaccines offer significant protection, that's not true. Vaccinated people get COVID all the time. It even happened to Biden himself. Here are three people whose record on...
1: It even happened to Biden himself. You know, speaking of um, headlines and investigations and so on, uh, there is the ongoing House Oversight Committee investigation of the Biden family. Da, 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 da. They're rookie and they're spooky. They're all together, whatever. Um, so that's interesting. Interesting times. Yeah. Um, What was the, the other thing that brought to mind? I forget. Anyway, there's the Title 42 stuff. I don't really want to dive down that rabbit hole. You know, speaking of the Biden family and the Hunter Biden stuff, I mean, I think I feel somewhat vindicated because I really didn't talk at all about the Hunter Biden laptop. That was something that just ah, not worth talking about, in my opinion. It was all it was all too weird. I think we played, I don't know, maybe one clip. That I can vaguely recall, and it just was too. You know, you just that stuff doesn't happen. And as it turns out, you know, again, Mike Morrell says, "Nah, that stuff doesn't happen. We make that stuff up. Sometimes we make stuff up." So that was interesting. Speaking of Title Forty Two, you know, what does that mean? It's you know that that is a a very ambiguous term that doesn't really mean much of anything to most people, I think. But you know, speak of, speaking of Title 42 and Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek had some remarks. This might help provide some context for some folks. Can we play that, please?
0: Title 42 is expiring today. That means that per day now, every day, we're projected to have 10 to 14,000 new illegal immigrants crossing the southern border. This is a total abdication of the rule of law. It is shameful. I don't even blame the individual people who are choosing to cross the southern border. If many of us were in their shoes, maybe we'd be doing the same thing. I blame President Biden and particularly his handlers in the managerial class who have given up on the rule of law. That's why I've said as the next US president, I'm not just going to talk about building some wall. I will use our military to secure our own border. If we can use it to secure somebody else's border halfway around the world, we can use our own military to secure our own southern border. That is how you solve the border crisis. That is how you help address the fentanyl crisis in our country. And we need to do it without apology. That is not racist. That is not xenophobic. It is what it means to believe in the rule of law itself. I need your help to put me in that White House. I also need your help to, at the next step, put me at the center of that debate stage in August. Give me, just donate $1 at vivek2024.com. Then that'd be a big donation, just $1 at VIVEK2024.com. That'll help me put this at the center of that debate stage and make sure that we actually stand for the rule of law as a party without apologizing for it.
1: So speaking of sunlight as the best, best antiseptic, I mean, imagine Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Vivek Ramaswamy debating. That would be really interesting. These are these are interesting times to be sure. So Title 42 is somewhat of a misnomer. I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole right now, but uh you know, it's when when usually when the mainstream especially when the progressive lefty crowd whatever you want to call it, however you want to identify it starts talking about it, it's a Trump Trump thing. Title 42 actually dates back to 1944, so that's not really a Trump thing. But uh, everyone, I think, by and large, agrees with Vivek's sentiments. The experts agree. Um, for example, Doris Mazner, who is uh, somewhat of an expert, leads the U.S. Immigration Policy Program at Migration Policy Institute. Why do we have things like this? Where where does the money come from for a Migration Policy Institute? Um said whenever title 42 is lifted there's likely almost certainly to be a surge no matter what it will be perceived by intending migrants and most importantly by smugglers as the time to come so you know it's the old push-pull mechanics which gets back to the kind of the point that i was making earlier a thought you know, what we see happening, I mean, if you read the protocols, the spurious document, or is it, was it released legitimately and then cast as spurious so that, you know, anyone who says, wait, this is happening, is a kooky, conspiratorial, you know, fringe lunatic. How did James Corbett put it? We should play that, the, the 9-11 in five minutes video. What was it? The title of that? a conspiracy theory I want to say or something like that the five minute deal that he did 9-11 a conspiracy theory yeah where he says you know if you don't believe the official story then you are a uh You know what? Paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing, (laughs) baby-hater will be reviled by everyone. Anyway, you get the impression, reading the protocols, you know, this idea that leaders will be selected from the mafia. And these, you know, uh, protection rackets that are imposed by the market security state. It's what it is. I'll explain what I mean when we come back. Stick around. All right, right after this break.
4: First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too.
5: EaseOff, LLC. 417-932-6419.
6: Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth-ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else, tell them you want AU, not BS. ¶¶ Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD 602-799-8214.
1: Speaking of curious choices that we make, we are still as as um, interesting and desperate as times are getting. And that's a whole different conversation. Um, I was sort of talking about this yesterday a little bit. You know, we played the clip of uh, Peter Faraday arrested at the uh, the. We played that clip yesterday of of Flaherty, uh, excuse me, uh, arrested at the uh, Berkshire shareholders meeting over the weekend. And it's interesting how fragile the confidence game is. You know, uh, the wizards behind the curtain want you to believe that, you know, they own it all, including you, by means of toxic currency as the book title goes but it's a fragile game it's a confidence-based game Aaron and melissa dykes have done some videos on that other people have talked about that that's a that's a bigger story we we are actually wealthier than we are led to believe no matter what in america it's something that we are encouraged to lose sight of and um So you know, it's much of the you know, if not the majority of the battle that's being fought is about it's it's perception management. You know, it's a it's a matter of perspective. I mean, if we, you know, just because you're poor or desperate or impoverished doesn't mean that you are um, a criminal. And, you know, there have been studies, obviously, many studies to lead us to believe that that's the case. If, you know, when people are impoverished and desperate, then they, you know, criminality is is on the horizon somewhere. And that may or may not be true, but, you know, there are studies that seem to prove it, other studies that disprove it. But there, you know, much of this is a matter of perspective. You can find examples of places where, you know, we, we are screaming and shouting here. There's a lot of noise making going on here. And then you go other places. And I mean, obviously, if it weren't the case, people wouldn't be coming here. People saying, gosh, you know, I wish I had it that bad. So. A lot of it's a matter of perspective and that I think gets back to the message and kind of the salient point that Vivek Ramaswamy makes. For example, we should just get back to work and get busy doing something worth doing and uh, do it in a worthwhile sort of manner and good things will happen. All of the noise making doesn't necessarily amount to… Anything good. So, a couple of things. Victor Davis Hanson had some interesting remarks. We'll probably play that in the next segment. There are some other headlines I think maybe I'll mention. But why a strong middle class is essential for citizenship is the title of the clip. From the Founding Values YouTube channel and – Um, this is, you know, pointing to a Hillsdale course, the significant, learn the significance of American citizenship and the threats it faces today. Um, interesting stuff. I think that Vivek and others are right we are suffering from an identity crisis i think uh, you know it goes it goes deeper than any one demographic and it goes deeper than than most want to recognize or acknowledge and i would i would say it goes to the heart of maybe to to give it context what manley p hall wrote in the secret destiny of America. How it's this duality of uh, history and purpose and destiny. If you listen to the Manly P. Hall's, then you know there was always an element from antiquity uh, that was, you know, the the Western impulse has been pregnant with this thing that I, that I call, you know, a. Return to the great unfinished work of Genesis 11, the you know, the Bacon's New Atlantis kind of thing to be aware of it, I think is helpful. You know, what's the antidote to it? The Bible and prayer, the Holy Spirit. Again, speaking of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that I mentioned earlier. Until the restrainer is taken out of the way, what, or should we say, who is the restrainer? Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: I want the truth. You can't handle the truth.
4: You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Most basic diseases are caused by yeast in the gut and metals in the liver, and we all have a bit of both. The garlic in Extendivite has a yeast-killing effect in the gut, while also helping the sulfur enzyme in the liver get rid of the metals. Extendivite just may improve your overall health. Products like Extendivite are the only way we are going to get our society healthy. And if you're waiting for the government and pharmaceutical care to solve your health problems, you're going to have a long disappointing wait, I think. Extendivite is a complete formula for extended life in the new millennium. 80 can be the new 60. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit partdrop.com.
0: Extend your life with ExtendoVite.
7: Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach or a favorite song from the past or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joy pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To read more about this amazing breakthrough and to order your Terahertz frequency want, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While well, we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, We also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us.
6: 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3.
1: crisis it's so isn't it isn't it interesting you know we played the jacob siegel interview and uh, a few other things that went along with it yesterday and the all of the agencies the thought police agencies that are cropping up (laughs) everywhere uh, right in plain sight thought crime thought control thought policing and uh you know the nudge is it's not even a shove now. It's, it's moving in a more forceful direction. Um, again, you know, like I was saying yesterday, there are so many headlines. I mean, the, the stories like CIA helped Russian, uh, help, help recruit signers for Russian disinfo laptop letter that influenced 2020 election, not even really moving the needle. We're so, just saturated with this, the letter that was signed by 51 former intelligence officials and appeared five days after the New York post described in a news story based on materials found on a laptop once owned by Hunter Biden, how president Joe Biden knew that his son was using access to his father's position, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, You know, there's that there's, like I said, the ongoing, uh, House, House Oversight Committee investigation into the Biden family. There's the there's the Trump thing. You know, the E. Jean Carroll civil case. And yet you got these other guys. Maybe I'm just. I don't know. Target fixated or something, but these other guys deserve. Significantly more attention than the shenanigans. Anyway, we got some stuff to get through. Couple of things. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson on why a strong middle class is essential for citizenship. And I would say there are some companion thoughts to that, but, you know, not the least of which is it's all a matter of perspective. We'll get to that in a second. First, Victor Davis Hanson, can we do that, please?
8: One of the essentials of citizenship is a presence of the creation and the preservation of a large middle class. This idea goes all the way back to Greece where citizenship first developed. And they had a word for it, the mesoi, M-E-S-O-I. And in their way of thinking, you had to have the majority of citizens self-employed, independent, outspoken, and neither rich nor poor. They felt that if you were poor, you were either going to be dependent on the rich or you were going to be dependent on the state, And therefore, when you spoke out, your views, your opinions somehow would be warped or predicated on what the state wanted you to say or what the rich wanted you to say. And therefore, if you were to vote, you would not be voting in an independent uh, fashion. They also felt that the rich should not govern the affairs of the state because they would have too much influence on people by value of their wealth, and they would warp citizens that did not have enough wealth to vote for laws or to say things or to uh, create new laws that would favor a small insider group. But the middle class alone were neither dependent on the state nor did they emulate or did they envy the rich. And so these mesoi in the idealized Greek city state were the citizens that showed up in the assembly hall. They were outside and they had an equal seat on stone benches. That equality was reflected in the military sense by slots and the phalanx. That is the armed squares of spearmen that fought the battles of the city state. And finally, there was a third dimension of the middle class, and that was the agrarian grid outside the city-state. Most land was parceled, as it was during the Homestead Act in the United States, into 10-acre parcels. So think of it for a minute. A man left an equal-sized parcel. He went to vote in a bench that looked pretty much like everybody else. And he had a slot in the phalanx where he was dependent upon people of like kind. And out of that reinforcement came the idea that the mesoi were the backbone of the citizenry. The citizen also had to be independent. And that was defined in two ways. One was the word autonomia, which meant they were in control of the laws. They made the laws. And they were not subject to coercion from the poor or the rich. There was another more sophisticated term that denoted economic independence, autarkeia. They were in control of their farm, and that farm gave them sustenance in which they did not have to beg the state for entitlements or charity or handouts from the rich. In other words, in the Mediterranean climate of Greece and Rome, a man with 10 acres could have vines, olives, and wheat or barley. And out of that uh, tri-cropping, they could have olive oil, fresh olives, soap, oil from the olive to lubricate the axles on their wheels, to shine their shields, to use as polish, a lubricant. They could have wheat for bread, for soup, uh, for flour, a staple all year long, and then grapes, of course, gave them fresh grapes, raisins, and wine. And out of all of those crops, they were economically independent. Notice they all had to be refined. You cannot eat wheat you have to eat flour, so you have to thresh the wheat. If the farmer did that, and he did it on his own farm, he sold in town the product not just of farming, but of the middleman. If a person grew grapes, he crushed the grapes and made them into wine, or he dried them and made them into raisins. And you cannot eat an olive if anybody's tried it. It's quite sour. You have to press an olive and cure it to make olive oil or... To be making olive edible. What I'm getting at is these middle class people of the ancient Mediterranean were not just farmers, but they eliminated the middleman processor and they sold their goods with enhanced value uh, from pressing and threshing and curing. And so, in this concept, then, you were creating this independent landowner who was economically viable and he was not dependent or beholden to the wealthy. And he was not dependent on somebody, uh, for the, especially like the poor, on the state. Anybody being the state government.
1: That is a very, very articulate view of the middle class and why the middle class is important historically. And uh, obviously, we've been losing that, and we see the ends of the spectrum. That's why the middle class is important. We're seeing the widening gap, the, the disparity, and I think Victor Davis Hanson makes a very strong case for why the middle class is important and what happens when you start to lose that. There is this uh, warped perspective – speaking of perspective, a warped and biased uh, perspective, and you can see that – I mean when you're – It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, if you're Warren Buffett or if you're George Soros or Bill Gates, let's just say for a minute that these are noble, philanthropic things these people are engaged in. I think Ron Paul said it best, speaking of Meet meet the Press, when he was on with Tim Russert back in, what was it, 2007, I want to say. And he said, I think they believe what they say. Let's say for a minute that these are all noble pursuits that are being engaged in. If there is a, uh, a hiccup in the operation, you know, what would Bill Gates' identity be if not, you know, the richest, second richest, whatever, you know, this perception that he's the richest guy in the world, that he's this tech guru, what would his identity be? Same for all of these guys, which again reminds me of Hayek's Road to Serfdom, Chapter 10, Why the Worst Get on Top. Just as the democratic statesman who sets out to plan economic life will soon be confronted with the alternative of either assuming dictatorial powers or abandoning his plans, so the totalitarian dictator would soon have to choose between disregard of ordinary morals and failure. It is for this reason that the unscrupulous and uninhibited are likely to be more successful in a society tending toward totalitarianism. The point here being, you know, there doesn't seem to be a direct correlation. What do you mean? The point here being, if you have the power, authority, ability, capability to uh, to influence. Certain, I mean, I mentioned the the example of appeal, the appeal sciences brand yesterday, which was begun with a hundred thousand dollar grant from uh, the Gates Foundation. Now is is reportedly valued at around one point one billion dollars. If you have the ability to Do these kinds of things to influence these kinds of things along and do this kind of thing. I mean if your identity is sort of inextricably interwoven into this kind of stuff, one can see how you might be caught up in your own success so to speak for better or worse. And soon confronted, you know, in, in all of this planning and planned stuff with the alternative of either assuming dictatorial powers in whatever sense, not necessarily in a political sense, or abandoning your plans. And if you read someone like Paul Allen, for example, which side of the fence would someone like Bill Gates fall on? How indeed, you know, if you achieve that level of Financial success, shall we call it. Then I think, you know. You start leaning heavily in the direction of Jesus remarks. About, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Because you're going to you're going to. Your identity is interwoven into that enterprise and you're going to do whatever is necessary to perpetuate the enterprise. At some point, something unscrupulous. Where does that stop? Again, we're invited. We're all invited to participate in our own demise that of ourselves and one another at some point, I think and it's difficult to you know we're we're told that america has a certain you know the american dream has a certain uh, contextual image i suppose and so what does that mean again it's it's all a matter of perspective if you're looking from somewhere else and you hear people Saying, you know, we're so afflicted or whatever, and you're saying from somewhere else, I wish I had it that bad. It's a matter of perspective. And we are encouraged to believe a lot of things. Speaking of that, um, by the way, that, that video, Why a Strong Middle Class is Essential for Citizenship, quote-unquote, Victor Davis Hansen is from the founding values YouTube channel this is a fairly new channel, uh, January of 2023. Already almost, what is it, three quarters of a million views, 36 videos. Billed as real education that is necessary for the development of moral citizens in a prosperous nation. I think it's um, an offshoot of Hillsdale. But again, you know, the national identity crisis. What does that mean? What does it mean to be an American? It means different things to different people. Obviously. So back to. Back to the drawing board a little bit. Speaking of perspective. Thoughts and beliefs. We played this before, but from February of this year, the True Stream Media video, why the First Amendment is first. Some interesting stuff. It's 19 minutes long, but we'll play the first four minutes or so. And I think this I think this goes hand in hand with uh, what Victor Davis Hansen was saying there. Can we play that please?
9: That men ought to speak well of their governors is true while their governors deserve to be well spoken of. But to do public mischief without hearing of it is only the prerogative and felicity of tyranny. A free people will be showing that they are so by their freedom of speech. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. That was Benjamin Franklin quoting the London Journal under the moniker Silence Do Good when he was 16 years old. So as a 16-year-old, he understood this. Something that adults seemingly don't get today.
2: What sort of community do you live in? Where would you place it on a democracy, despotism scale? To find out, you can rate it on a respect scale and a power scale. And to find out what way it is likely to go in the future, you can rate it on economic distribution and information scales. The lower your community rates on economic distribution and information scales, the lower it is likely to rate on respect and power scales, and thus to approach despotism.
9: Without freedom of speech, there could be no freedom of thought. And if you don't have freedom of thought, how can there be anything as liberty? The short answer is there there can't be. If you're not allowed to think for yourself, or worse, even learn to think for yourself, And this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately. Thinking is not the same as believing, by the way. If you say, I think something, that's a different statement than if you say, I believe something. These may be synonyms, but they're not the same thing. To think is defined as to employ any of the intellectual powers except that of simple perception through the senses to exercise the higher intellectual faculties. But on the other hand, to believe is to exercise a belief in. So then you have to say, what's a belief? A belief is to assent to a proposition or affirmation or the acceptance of a fact, opinion, or assertion as real or true without immediate personal knowledge. Reliance upon word or testimony Partial or full assurance without positive knowledge or absolute certainty. Persuasion, conviction, confidence. So belief is a confidence game. How confident are you? Are you confident enough to say you believe it?
7: Do you believe? Oh, please, please believe. Do you believe in magic? (laughs) Hamburg is the dog. I
2: can't believe it's no problem.
9: Because somewhere in belief is a form of trust. And that trust is basically the credit you have issued upon the assurance that something is true that you do not have immediate personal knowledge is true. That's a belief.
5: Chicken and nuggets you can take for a while. If you believe,
7: wherever you are, clap your hands. Clap! Clap! Don't let teeth
5: die! Clap! And a cloud making wishes come
0: true.
9: Not the same to believe as to think. In other words, believing something means you actually don't really have to think about it anymore. Thinking technically stops where belief begins.
1: Interesting. I think I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. Ah, just kidding. Uh, Good stuff. You know, there should be more thinking and maybe believing based on some... Thinking perhaps instead of just taking things for granted because it's you know the lie is told often enough. Anyway, last thing I mentioned it earlier, James Corbett's 9/11 a conspiracy theory. I think we have to include that. Can we do that, please? <laughs>
10: On the morning of September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world, overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot-descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground. Hitting the Pentagon in the Budget Analyst Office, where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day.
2: Terrorists who committed these acts, and those who harbored
10: them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. it didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were
2: failure of imagination. Because nobody in our government at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes into buildings.
10: Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on able danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her and her and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists, on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about his head could be seen to move violently forward, and they took the babies out of incubators, and mobile production facilities, and the rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog abusing baby hater, and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never, ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because well, I don't ignorance
1: know about you, but I strength. love my country and freedom, so I'm not going to ask any questions. Just kidding. I think companions with that in my mind Jacob Siegel's A Guide to Understanding the Hoax of the Century 13 Ways of Looking at Disinformation it's an interesting read published March 28, 2023 I encourage you to read it and with it in my mind I put Peter Ludlow's piece 10 years ago June 14, 2013 The Real War on Reality the uh, op-ed New York Times op-ed that'll do it for today's broadcast JJ sorry we missed you I hope it was informative, perhaps even edifying. As always, it truly is an honor and a pleasure. Take care. God bless. We'll catch you on the
0: other side.
5: Corporate media dominates the American opinion.
8: You're listening to Real Talk Radio,
2: only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.